Welcome to Pop Whiz Bang, a comic conversation with Meggie Ram and Patrick Lay. I'm Patrick Lay. My pronouns are he and him. My name is Meggie Ram, and my pronouns are she, her, or they, them. And this is not a podcast about the most recent releases from Marvel in DC. No, 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 no. It's about the theory and process behind the comics that you both know and love. We've got a great episode for you today. We're going to be reviewing Anya's Ghost by Vera Brazegal. Um, we actually reviewed one of Vera's books before this, uh, Be Prepared. Um, we just really like her shit, so sorry, not sorry. This is the first person we've done two books for. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I just really like her shit. Like, uh, Definitely part of the reason that Anya's Ghost was floating around in my head is I'm doing a new outline, and I did a reverse outline of Anya's Ghost where I broke down oh all the God. act breaks and how many actual scenes and how long Patrick each scene is showing was. me a piece of paper that looks like it was written on the back of the receipt and he's got terrible handwriting, but I want you to know that there's a lot of it on there. It is on the back of the receipt from the library. <laughs> I was about to make up like a million things that you like got on your receipt that you like went to the check or went to the store and it was like, oh man, you just got 80 zucchinis. Yeah, how, how many zucchinis do you really need? Um, but before we get into the review, Patrick, how are you? There's tornadoes in your state, but you seem to be in one piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are all west and south, but uh, I do know some people who were affected, and which is always um, scary and strange because a tornado is a pinprick of fury that just sort of drifts around, and it's just sort of like it hits this house, but not that house, and then this house, and... I guess at one point, like just north of Dayton, there were two of them and they happening at the same time and they actually crossed paths, which sounds it like sounds impossible, but apparently it did in fact happen. Um, other than that, amazing. I It's allergy season, so I sound stuffed up, which sucks. But man, yesterday was the most perfect weather day you could possibly have. I spent five hours in the park, like reading a book and talking to people and like that was dope. I, I was so. Were you just like sitting in the park, and then somebody would walk by, no, and you'd no, just be like, "Salutations, friendly. good sir, a lovely day." <laughs> good morrow, and I tip my my bowler hat. <laughs> yeah. uh, good good morrow, my good man. A tipple? Would you like to play some croquet? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. What I about a uh, game of cards. Maybe some gin rummy. Cribbage. <laughs> Sorry, for some reason, I imagine you outside as like a 1920s like era gentleman, but. Uh, I admire anyway, so your velocity, young one. Um, <laughs> no, no. But uh, I had a friend came by and we talked for a while. And uh, mostly I just spent like five hours outside kind of doing nothing. And definitely nice. this past like weekend, I read way more books and comics than I've read in the previous nice. three months. So nice. that was good. Very relaxing. So I'm just I feel like it's a it's a positive place. Very Zen, very Buddha. Good. What about yourself? Um, so my classes are wrapping up and I was feeling like weirdly anxious before one of my classes was wrapped. I, I've got two things I want to say. I was feeling weirdly anxious before my classes were wrapping up and I couldn't figure out why because every time before 
I like have to go to a class, I'm always worried that I'm forgetting something because I have to bring like all the supplies with me. And like, I was like triple and like quadruple checking everything. And I had everything. And I was just like, why the fuck am I so like nervous, like for this class? And then I was like, oh, it's because you're going to miss your students. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and I mean, I always, I always kind of miss my students. I really do. But like this year, I feel like I've really gotten a handle on the whole teaching thing. And I'm really bummed. And like, I was talking with my neighbor, uh, my neighbor has a a kid who's like seven or eight and I was talking with him and I was just like I was just like so you like comics like what about Pokemon what about like tell me what Pokemon you like and I was like already so starved for like kid conversation that I'm gonna be the weirdest person this summer and I'm not (laughs) looking forward to it and then the other thing is that um so I went to VanCaf the other weekend and I've had some other things and people have been using have A, been asking what my pronouns are, and B, have been giving me they, them pronouns. And every time that they do, I feel like this little, like, spark of happy, like, that I wasn't expecting. And it's been really, really nice. And I'm kind of, like, tearing up thinking about it now. But it's just, like, because I I was testing those pronouns out because I feel very androgynous as is. And then I got to... Like, you know, you go to VanCap. I knew nobody there. So I was just like, yeah, those are my pronouns. And everybody was like really cool with it. And then I had a couple people on Instagram just be like, I posted a picture and like, oh, like they look awesome. And I was like, oh, yay. It was like, I don't know. It was like finding a little piece of chocolate on your pillow <laughs> uh, at a ho- at like a really shitty hotel <laughs> that you didn't think was going to have. And give you a little yeah, pronoun the pronoun gift. Fairy- yeah. So that was, that's been, that's been really nice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry, I just like cracked my fingers right in the mic and that probably sounded so disgusting. <laughs> um, so you can leave that in or take it out, but ooh. I'm not sure I could hunt that sound down. <laughs> if you just hear something that sounds like wet cracking, like um, wet bones. All right. So Anya's <clears throat> ghost. Um, I'm really excited to do this book. Um, I really like this book. I had to take it out of rotation with my students because it has the word bitchin' in it, which really upsets me. Because <laughs> if it just didn't have, I think it has like the word whore and bitchin' in it. And if it didn't have those words in it, I could give it to my younger students. But because it does, I can't really. And then if I ever like, because cro- I've got a couple books where I've crossed out the swear words in like Sharpie marker. And anytime I do, I have like some kid come up and they're like, so what's behind the Sharpie? And it's just like, I crossed it out because you're six. Redacted. <laughs> Redacted. <laughs> Redacted. All right. Um, but before we get into any of the other stuff, Patrick, give us that good, good, good read synopsis. Uh, so Anya could really use a friend. But her new BFF isn't kidding about the forever part. Of all the things Anya expected to find at the bottom of a well, a new friend was not one of them. Especially not a new friend who's been dead for a century. Falling down a well is bad enough, but Anya's normal life might actually be worse. She's embarrassed by her family, self-conscious about her body, and she's pretty much given up on fitting in at school. A new friend, even a ghost, is just what she needs. Or so she thinks. Spooky, sardonic, and secretly sincere, Anya's Ghost is a wonderfully entertaining debut from the author-artist Vera Brosgel. And this was, I believe, her first book book. 
Yeah, I think her so. first long. She she submitted a comic to uh, Kitsu Kabuishi's uh, comic anthology Flight before that, and that's kind of what got her on everybody, including First Seconds Radar. But if you turn to like the dedication section of Anya's Ghost, it thinks like all sorts of giant comic people. Uh, Judy Hansen, who's an amazing. Uh, Agent, you've got Jen Wang, um, I don't know Graham Annabelle, but Rain is in there, Hope Larson, Katsu Kabuishi, Scott McCloud, um, her mom, like all kinds of amazing comic people. <laughs> um, Patrick, how did you get into this book? So I think I might have mentioned this during the Be Prepared thing, but I was following Vera's career from her webcomic. Um kind of stumbled across it and uh weirdly she knew a lot of people who ended up being people from the same webcomic including erica moen not and um dylan mcconis and you know uh faith Aaron hicks i think they were all part of like a ladies of the internet let's have a webcomic group together and um so i was just kind of waiting for her <laughs> to put something out you know, you get the flight thing, and she had launched into animation, and Anya's ghost came out, and I was like, <laughs> and, you know, like, finally, finally, finally. Um, and uh, it was well worth the wait. Um, I think I picked 2011. Wow. Okay. Uh, so I picked up this book. There was, uh, I think I've talked about this before, but there were two places at University of Michigan where you could get uh, comic books. Um, one which I didn't discover until my last couple of years of college was at the Duderstadt, which everybody called the Dude because, you know, fucking college. And it had, like, five bookshelves, like, giant, like, wall-to-ceiling bookshelves that were full of comics. But before I found out that place, um, the other, like, main library branch had, like, a single bookshelf of comics (laughs) and but it was like a really it was a really good curated selection I think I read like all of like the big ones there like I had Persepolis and like I think I read all of Mouse and like so all of the like ones that would probably be included in like a lit class were there and Anya's Ghost was one of them and I remember picking it up and I think that was the first book where I was like oh (laughs) like comics aren't just for kids anymore um (laughs) or there's comics for kids now or something like that Uh, so bam yeah, huh. whiz bang. Um, but anyway, that's how uh, I picked that up, and I really enjoyed it. And it's it's funny because like Anya's ghost like has actually permeated a lot of pop culture. It's one that was it, I think it's one of the first books that was recommended for kids before kids comics became really really big. So this was like this and some of Raina's stuff I think were on the forefront of that uh, genre of becoming kids comics. Um, I just didn't say bitchin'. It'd be really great. Um. <laughs> well, I would say this is definitely landing in the world of like a teen. Like this is a teen book about yeah, a teen experience. Yeah, it's definitely a teen book. Sort of it's just teens. such a good book and I want to share it with my elementary school students. That's that's me complaining. But there's a, there's like a million there's a million other kids comics that I could use. Like I like Be Prepared is also one that's like and uh, I talked with uh, Reno about this at one point. I feel like it's not necessarily a teen audience. It's a tween audience. Right. So it's like a middle school, like young high school thing. Cause it doesn't touch on, it doesn't touch on like super awful, like kind of off limit kid suck, uh, 
off-limit kids topics like uh horrible violence or like I don't know um any kind of sort of weirdly uncomfortable situation but like there is like death and there's some like not so great words in there um it is a good like primer for high school like hey high school might feel like this but it doesn't have to like if you follow the the things yeah and like and we're gonna be talking about be prepared a lot in this because it's Farah's other book that we also really like but in be prepared uh one of the scenarios that happens is a one girl takes another girl's panties that have period stains in it and she runs them up the flagpole and like you know like is <laughs> that something pretty. that you is that something that you like expose kids to because i don't want to be like hey periods are terrible and you should be ashamed of them but at the same time i don't want to like jump start any kids sex education before their parents are ready or their school's <laughs> ready so well unfortunately <laughs> and we'll i guess we'll probably talk about that a little bit as this book goes on um Unfortunately, you know, a, a truthful uh, telling of a youth experience is very rarely uh, as clean cut and tidy yeah. as we want it to be. Yeah. And I think that, um, and I'm going to keep talking about Raina's stuff too. And I think uh, Raina, like, has cleaned up kind of some of the bullying that happens in. Uh, like that happened to her when she was a kid. I just read, uh, uh, who is it? Um, I want to say Liz Klimo, but that's not it. Uh, Liz Prince, uh, her tomboy book. Um, and she gets like really harshly bullied there. Like two teen boys, like bury her in the snow and it touches on a bunch of stuff. That's like, you know, pertinent to kids, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's something we should turn into a podcast episode. Anyway, let me tell you about Vera Brasco. Um, She was born in Moscow, Russia in 1984 and moved to the U.S. when she was five. This is also, I took this directly from when I did the bio of her from Me Prepared. Um, She created a comic called Return to Sender in high school, uh, studied animation at Sheridan College, met Katsu Kabuishi, uh, who's putting together his first flight anthology at San Diego Comic-Con, to which Brosgall submitted a short story. Um, the agent for flight agreed to just represent Brosgall. Um, she also landed a job at Leica Studios, uh, which made Coraline and Paranorman that lucky son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> she worked there for 10 years and finished Anya's ghost in her off hours, which is just, like, absolutely crazy. Um, Anya's ghost. Uh, is partially inspired by a comic she started to draw. I thought this was just really interesting. Uh, is inspired by a comic she started to draw for a comics anthology based on songs by Belle and Sebastian, um, which is why if you look through uh, posters in Anya's room, there are lots of Belle and Sebastian posters. She's just like a really um, hip kid, that's all. Yeah, right? Uh, And then uh, the falling down a well portion was inspired by a book she read, uh, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle by uh, Murakami, which I also want to read. It's added to my list. Um, It took four years from inception to publication. It won the 2011 Sybil's Literary Award, the 2012 Harvey Award for Best Original Graphic Publication for Younger Readers, the 2012 Eisner for Best Publication for Young Adults, and I think it also got nominated for a Hugo Award, but it didn't win. Um, And then we've talked a little bit about uh, her process before. Um, She does the narrative 
first. So she draw so she writes the story and then she draws everything and then she adds the dialogue last. She wants to get rid of as much dialogue as possible because the handoff uh, that handoff intention, this is a direct quote, that handoff intention between text and art is one of the funnest things about telling stories this way. Um, her recent, her most recent book is a kid's book called The Little Guys. <laughs> it's The Little Guys, but it's way more fun to say a little guys. Little acorn um, boys. And it's a, yeah, it's about these little acorn kids and I really want my comic book shop to get it. And if you go to um, Vera's Instagram, her friend did this like awesome window display with all of these tiny little acorn folks. And I just really <laughs> want one. Um, all right. So let's get into the nitty gritty. I feel like every time we do an episode, I say things the same way. I always say that good, good, good read synopsis, and I always say the nitty gritty. It's a, it's a um, shtick now. It's a thing. It's your, it's your catchphrase. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need better catchphrases. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got a couple different characters. We've got Anya, who is the protagonist. She is a girl in high school. She's going to a uh, private Catholic school. Um, I would say which at is least private school. Which is apparently the third worst private school in the state, um, which Anya <laughs> states at one point. Um, you've also got Anya's mom and her little brother, Sasha, who uh, is constantly wearing a shirt. Hang on. What does it say? Um, ask me. I'm local, I think. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was really funny. And you've also got uh, a couple side characters, which is Siobhan, who's Anya's friend, Sheen, uh, or sorry, Sean. I always say that weird because it's spelled wrong. Um, Sean, who is the captain of the basketball team or the starting quarterback of the basketball. I don't fucking know sports. The star of the anyway, sports ball the, party. Yeah, he's the star of the sports ball and Anya's got a crush on him. Um, but he's dating Elizabeth, who's, of course, a super skinny and beautiful lucky blonde. Um, her, fa- her best friend at school is Siobhan. Um, the kind of plague of her existence is Dima, who's the only other Russian kid at her school who's recently immigrated from Russia. Anya um, immigrated from Russia when she was much younger, so she's had a little bit more time to acclimate to American ways. And then there's Emily Riley, who is a ghost that died. Um, according to her, she was murdered. Murdered. Uh, murdered a uh, hundred years ago, and Anya falls down a hole. <laughs> like you do, uh, finds the ghost of uh, Emily. And um, Emily's ghost is has to be near her bones. Like, it can't leave her bones. And Emily sticks one of her tiny little, like, pinky fingers in Anya's bag before Anya gets saved. And so that means that Emily gets to accompany Anya around. And at first, Anya is like, oh, this sucks. And then once Emily starts helping her cheat on tests and stuff, she's like, oh, this also still sucks. But then she's like, okay, wait, it's really cool. (coughs) But then, you know, having a ghost around is an interesting situation. And then it gets really bad. And then Anya's like, oh, this is not so fun. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is this was a surprising book for me um, because kind of like all of Vera's stuff, it looks like a thing and it does something very different, right? So, like, at the beginning of the story, it seemed like, oh, she's going to make a ghost friend, and then they're going to learn things together, and she's going to solve the mystery of who killed the ghost friend, and mm-hmm. and then they'll the book will be over. And that is not yeah. what happens. 
Um, no. <laughs> you know, spoiler, but the, <laughs> the ghost is the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, whoa, As time, this was totally unexpected. Yeah. As time goes on, so the uh, Emily, by the way, uh, so, you know, the ghost comes out of the pit with Anya, helps her out at school for like, I want to say like a couple of days before Anya asks what the ghost's name is. Like a substantial amount of time passed before she's like, oh, hey, what's your name? So like, Anya's that's the other thing. Anya's definitely in the camp of like, if I ignore you, you'll go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is that Anya is like, I wouldn't like she is a good person at heart but she's also got like a bunch of really awful teenage tendencies yeah. and I think I if I was a teenager I'd probably be more on board with her than I am now I'm like for fuck's sake just like <laughs> eat you your mom cooked you food like eat it you lucky son of a bitch um, but yeah it's a lot and the other thing is that I think that Anya is gorgeous and she's rocking those Catholic school like thigh highs like nobody's business and she just keeps looking in the mirror and she's like i'm ugly and i'm like oh god i wish there was a way that we could just rewire high school so you could uh believe in your own beauty but that's like not a thing um but this book and uh Brazgo's other book Brie prepared do a lot of stuff with um her russian heritage and accepting yourself and coming to terms with that heritage and you see that in this book as well because at the very beginning uh, Anya lies and says that her last name is Brown instead of oh god I'm such a terrible person it's it's I'm not I'm sorry I can't pronounce it it's like and she doesn't want people to know that last name because people do what I do and can't pronounce it because we're idiots um, <laughs> but towards the end of the book she starts to accept it but this ghost starts out as like this kind of unhelpful thing and then as time goes on, the ghost is helping her cheat on tests. It's also helping her get closer to her crush, Sean, which is super great because we, you know, nothing's better than hitting on the guy from the basketball team and having him be interested in you. And the ghost is all ready to set them up. And then Sean obviously turns out to be a massive dick. Um, and the ghost is all upset. Emily's all upset because she's like, but you said you were in love with him. Like, we're going to fix this. We're going to make sure that you can, you guys can still make it work. And Anya's like, no, I saw him hook up with another girl in front of his girlfriend. That was weird. I don't really want to be a part of that. And as time goes on, and I didn't notice this the first time I read it, but the ghost starts to look more and more like Anya. Yeah, I mean, the ghost is definitely like, that's sort of the theory, the theme of the the book is that the ghost is sort of, pulling energy from Anya. And the more that Anya relies on the ghost, the more that the ghost gets energy and power uh, from Anya to do what the ghost wants and transform Anya's life in the way that she, the ghost wants instead of the way Anya wants. Oh, the other thing that I think is really prominent in this book um, is that girls can be so awful to each other. Um, at the very beginning of the story, Elizabeth, who is Sean's girlfriend, um, Anya really doesn't like Elizabeth. She's just like, Elizabeth is the worst. She's the, she's awful and she's terrible and she's just like the bane of my existence. And then really, they don't interact that much, but when they finally do interact, Elizabeth is like, oh my gosh, your clothes, you look so nice. And she's just a very nice person. She's just dating an awful person. Um... 
and like won't give him up for all the gold of the Sierra del Madres. But a lot of this book is like, is like uh, either Siobhan and Anya ripping on each other or ripping on Elizabeth. And it's just like kind of hard to see. I wish that that wasn't such a thing. It might not be such a thing anymore. I've met some high schoolers who are surprisingly different than the high schoolers. I'm not sure. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, one of the ways that I read it was definitely that it was kind of a teenagers are self-absorbed. They don't think about what other people are experiencing. They don't think about what other people want. They think about what they want and what they're experiencing. And that becomes the entirety of the world. And I think the ghost is sort of the metaphor there, too, because the ghost does the same thing. Like Emily, the ghost um, only wants what she wants for Anya. Um, and it really doesn't care what else Anya finds out. So when Anya finds out, for example, that that Captain Captain Toolbag is a toolbag, um, the ghost doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> She's like, uh, yeah. you're supposed to be together. Like, you go get a date with that boy and get married. <laughs> that's what your life is now. I'm going <laughs> to make you, sure like, that's what your get, life is now. Do people still get really married really young <laughs> in your world? That was great. Um, the other thing is, uh, so yeah, like Patrick, you start the story and you think that, you know, um, Anya's going to help out uh, this ghost and they're going to solve her murder and then they're going to be best friends and everything's going to be great. But then, of course, you find that Emily wasn't murdered like she said she was. Uh, she uh, goes missing after she murdered two people, um, the person that she was in love with who didn't love her back and his beau. Um, she burns their house down. And when you see the the newspaper clipping where like Anya and Demi find that information for the first time, it's the first time you see Emily not as a ghost, but as a person. And oh my God, even in Vera Brosgo's like beautiful and cartoony and lovely like style, that picture of Emily is terrifying. <laughs> She's got like a, the bowl cut of the worst bowl cut of like all bowl cuts and then she looks like she hasn't slept in maybe like 20 years it was it's just a really good reveal you know it's it's something you don't really notice about the character design when she's a ghost because there aren't any tones right and there aren't any pupils i think that's another big thing the ghost doesn't. there's not any pupils. pupils which works really but it like vera does a really good job with that because she uses like, I'm thinking that this is probably from her experience working in the animation studio and also because she's just a fucking badass. But the fact that she's able to draw, like, uh, these eyes without pupils, she's able to make it go back and forth between looking really cute and adorable at the beginning of the book and fucking horrifying towards the end of the book. Yeah, like, she's really I, and, playing with, like, the lids of the eyes and the eyebrows to give them a lot of yeah. shape and attitude. So, like, they are the expressive part of the ghost design as much as anything else and like um yeah once you put those pupils back in and those flashback clips it gets uh much creepier (laughs) yeah for first for first book um and this happens sometimes with some first books where uh the artist will like draw an expression and it doesn't really make sense like they're trying for something but they haven't quite nailed the expression yet. Vera, Vera doesn't have any of those problems. No. Each expression is completely and totally clear, which is why she's able to get away with this like awesome ghost character, which is ah so good, so good, so frustrating. Um, oh, also, I read in a, I read in an interview uh, that somebody did with her. Uh, 
there was like all of this like all these reviews that were like I wonder why she chose purple it's like this lovely bruise that looks into like the teenage soul and Burr's just like I just wanted to do purple because I like that color that year (laughs) (laughs) so I was just like oh yeah I get it um what was the other so let's talk about let's talk a little bit about like the comic itself and kind of the um like panel layouts and kind of process and that kind of thing this is a lot like her other book be prepared it's very standard comic book layouts like there isn't anything super crazy happening panel wise and also some of the stuff that we talked about in our other episode uh pops up in here uh like patrick i remember you last time talking about the uh cross where you've got four panels And they're all the exact same size, so you're not quite sure what order to read them in. That happens in uh, this book a lot. Also, it doesn't, it only has one page with a bleed on it, um, which is really interesting. If you flip through the book, uh, all of the stuff is very neatly contained within the panel borders, except for one page. And I think that changes in Be Prepared. But I kind of just wanted more page bleeds. It feels very, like, neatly boxed. Yeah, I wonder, um, and I'm very curious about, with this particular story, how much of the publication process is influencing that. Because this is um, not, like, early on in first, second releases, but it's certainly one of one of the earlier ones. I'm curious. It's one of the earlier ones. And also one of the reviews that I read said that they were like, I don't really, they were like, I had given up on first second until this book came out. And I was like, okay. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, that was a weird choice to have made. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I know that, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with first second, they have very specific dimensions for very different ages of readers. Right. So like this size of book is what all of their books are this for this age of reader. And for yeah. younger readers, they're a little bit smaller. They're all aimed at being able to fit into a backpack or being held and carried very easily by small people. So I'm curious if perhaps um, some of the templating that goes along with those decisions affected how much you could do at the time. Maybe it was a time thing because they, I think Princess and the Dressmaker is relative to this size, but has full bleeds. On some of the pages. Hang on. Will you look at that? I'm going to grab Be Prepared because I want to see if it's got some bleeds on it. Do you have it by you? Oh, perfect. Patrick has it right in reaching distance, so I don't have to move at all. Ha ha. Prince and the Dressmaker is exactly the same trim size uh, as is Be Prepared. They're all exactly yep. the same size. Um, and then Which as is far really, as... I like... I literally just noticed that when I was organizing my comics for class the other day, because there's like the standard comic book size and then there's manga size and the size of Anya's Anya's ghost and other first second publications is somewhere in the middle between a standard manga comic and a standard comic size. Yeah. They definitely kind of made what I feel is like a wise choice um, because when you put all of their books together, they're very uniform. They look great on a shelf and uh but they fit real nice on a table you don't have to worry about any weird shit yeah right yeah exactly and they are the right size to fit into a backpack or whatever so be prepared definitely has more bleeds um oh it does but there's still kind of few and far between um uh, be prepared has a much more vigorous look just in general and i have i'm gonna guess it's because of 
The coloring's a lot different too. Yeah, the coloring's just different, part partially because somebody else colored it. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely more scritchy, more scratchy. Um, this is very smooth. Like these half tones and stuff like that could have been done in Illustrator, as far as I can tell. You know, it's extremely yeah. very smooth. Her line work looks like it could have been done digitally. I wonder if it was. Um, yeah. Probably. I don't know. I know that in her line uh, work is like her line work looks like vectors. <laughs> like that's how smooth her lines are. It's very frustrating. <laughs> I know that in uh, Be Prepared, she used a, a brush pen for a lot of her line work. But um, for Anya's Ghost, I wonder if she just used an, an actual brush because it is so, so clean and lush. And it could be digital. Now no, I'm looking at it. Very well could be digital. I'm looking through the different, um, or because they've got like a little uh, interview with her in the back. It looks like um it looks like she does it digitally so maybe she does do it with a vector i don't know i just like i can't get over her line work what else was i going to like the, i mean she doesn't have a lot of full bleeds in anya's ghost that's not a bad thing you don't need to have full bleeds it's just and one thing that i said in my notes is that like one of the reasons that you want to do full bleeds is because it gives your reader like uh, a chance to kind of expand the story beyond the page it get, it opens up spaces within your comic it makes uh, certain panels look bigger but Vera can kind of get away with not doing full bleeds because she's so good at figuring out angles within the panels because one thing that you really want for your comic book page is that you don't want all of the characters heads and bodies to be the same size throughout the comic and you also don't want to have the same angle so you don't want everything to be a close-up or everything to be a far away within every single panel have it all be the same with all of the panels and Vera's really good at making sure that that doesn't happen even though she does have a lot of panels where it's like uh kind of like a talking head she intersperses or she disperses god I can't do worse today she disperses those talking head panels with other ones where she'll either have like a crazy background or she'll have like the angle it'll be like a tilted angle or something like that so like if in another comic if there was like no full bleeds um what's one that has no full bleed uh i think like uh sabrina by nick drasno i tried to read that and it just felt so contained i was like going crazy um but well, and if this you... one I think if you pop ahead to like 192, 193, 94, I think those are really, really good examples because in this sequence, she's being chased by the ghost towards the end of the book and the ghost has gotten huge, right? Like the ghost is like giant blimp mm -hmm. ghost chasing her around and there aren't any full bleeds. This is a place where you totally could have done that or a splash page or something like that. But instead she's done it. Um, she's giving you a very clear sense of scale by choosing her shots uh, there's one where Anya is tiny, like itty bitty from overhead. Um, you can see her. She's basically the size of a pencil eraser. And then we immediately go to a, a tight close up on Anya. And then we're, we're doing a double on the, the background, stuff like that. Um, I think the one that's the most effective is for me on 94, where you have this giant, giant ghost who's taking up the top half almost yeah that's such a good panel and then it's exactly the same background the same panel 
but the ghost has shrunk down to her normal size. And you really got a sense of how big she had gotten in the previous panel yeah. when you go down to the next panel. That's brilliant. We should, um, I need to write that down. We should uh, put that uh, panel on the, or that page on the Instagram. Also, I was wrong. There are at least three other pages. It seems like whenever they do a flashback into Emily's uh, background, they do a full bleed. So on page 154, 155, and 156, there's also full bleeds, but it's just like black background. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's just done really well. Yeah, and it, I, it is interesting because there aren't many f splash pages or half splashes, right? So almost every page is divided into panels, into time, you know. Um, a lot of it is kind of static, but as the story gets more chaotic and the ghost starts doing more crazy things, you get more, like, canted angles and, um, like, layouts where the gutters aren't straight and stuff like that. Um yeah. Which is really good. That's the very. That's, I think it's really effective. I think the thing that's closest to achieving what a splash page is meant to achieve is page twenty nine. It's when uh, Anya is stuck in the hole, uh, and nobody's come to rescue her yet, and it's just her and Emily sitting in the hole, and she's smoking. And I feel like that's where you get like your kind of like Miyazaki moment of quiet, but it's also meant to be there as like a moment of waiting too. Right. Because you know you're meant to see time pass, but I think it's also. Like, I mean, this is a question we can ask ourselves as creators. Like, this is meant for a younger audience. Do you need to have those quiet moments? There are some comics where having moments like that, I'm thinking, and nothing's happening. Um... <laughs> oh, that was very well put. Oh, well, I think there, there are other things that happen. Like, so there are other, like, this book, considering that there aren't a lot of crazy layouts, right? There are mm -hmm. other things that give energy and urgency to the book. Um, and I, I would say that there it's strange because there are a lot of quiet moments, but each of them is very energetic. But they're very fast. They're very fast. It's like a fast-paced quiet moment. I found a comic book that I was trying to think of. So, like, compared to Today is the Last Day of the Rest of Your Life by Ule Lust, where there's some portions of that book which are just, like, beautiful, like, landscapes or, like, just images of the ocean or something very, like, crazy and abstract like that. Um, which, like, as an adult reader, I'd be more willing to appreciate. I don't know. It's interesting. Because, I mean, kids also really like Miyazaki mo movies, and Miyazaki movies have a bunch of like quiet moments in them i would say that so, this one has is more akin i would say to like a television show right so like in a in a tv show for kids you're gonna have moments where the characters aren't doing a lot maybe they're just talking but they aren't poetic moments right like when we say quiet moments you know they're literally just like oh well not much is happening in the plot not like oh contemplative yeah. or or bringing up a mood or, or feeling of quietness um, and I would also kind of point to things like a lot of the speech bubbles in this comic spill out of the page. Like they spill. They do. Like just constantly. They're constantly spilling which into the gutters and out of the gutters. Which and, is really good that they do that. Because if they didn't do that, then it would feel, it would feel so tight and constricted to me that. And it's so consistently done that it doesn't feel this. like it's a mistake at all. Right. It just no. feels like, oh, well, they had a lot to say. <laughs> 
Um, speaking of uh, TV shows, there is a rumor that there is a possible movie adaption of this book coming out starring Emma Roberts. And I really hope that Emma Roberts plays Emily. Yeah. <laughs> because otherwise it's just like, like, can we have one thing? So I, one thing I think I will talk about because I spent some time looking in this thing um, and doing yeah. a, oh, like a reverse outline. So I pretty sure the structure of this is a, a three act structure, right? You know, there's like a setup, mm-hmm. this is the normal world and then something weird happens. And then they're like, well, that's not so bad. And then it just kind of gets worse and then it gets very, very bad. And then she has to solve the problem. But one thing that I noticed in this one is that there are these buffer sections in between the acts um, that are independent of the main ghost storyline. It feels like a super, super smart thing to do because one of the things that she's dealing with is feeling very out of place and she doesn't want to like she doesn't want to talk to Dima, who's like the new Russian kid. Right. Mm -hmm. So right at the end of what I guess is act one is this 17 page section where she has to like run in the gym and she falls and her butt goes in the air. Oh, the bleep test. Yeah, the bleep, the bleep test. test. And then like same same thing is um, you know, Dima who sucks um to her um kind of shows up and starts trying to talk to her in the gym and the ghost almost never shows up in those sections. Really doesn't have a lot to do with them. They're completely independent of the ghost plot line, but they're totally uh, important as character development for Anya. So the next one that happens is the end of Act Two, where Dima and Anya um, do the research together to find out the history of of Emily the Ghost, and it's this mm-hmm. like reconciliation between the two of them. That's a super super smart idea, and one that for some reason I had never quite had myself. <laughs> Saying like, it's it's the B story that they put in between the the acts, so it's not part of the main plot. It's it's well. I think it's also important because without having um, Anya spend time away from the ghost, you don't get to see her growth outside of her relationship with the ghost. Right. Because if everything is happening with the ghost, then you're not going to be able to see her grow as a person or see her in some of those cases not grow as a person. So you kind of have to have those. But it's also I think that's good to have. It's kind of like. It's kind of like stitching because if you had if you had this book without those moments, you wouldn't get as good of a sense of who Anya is as a person. And you have to have those little itty bitty moments, those little mini vignettes um, to like help tie it together. I just read um, or I just reread uh, The Book of Dust um, by Philip Pullman, his that Dark Materials. Right. Yeah, Philip Pullman. I think that's his name. Um, and one of the things that I really like about that book is that he has all of these like little mini stories that don't really have anything to do with the plot. And it's not even, it's not even something that drives a character's like story further. It's just like somebody telling, like there was like a guy and he was sitting at a fire and he's talking with three people and he was telling like this little mini story and it did nothing. It did nothing for anything, but it was, it's, it was just so good and so, so nice and so cute and well-written. It's an interesting to think about, like, in terms of, like, if you have your bigger story, how much smaller stories can you drop in without it totally wrangling the plot away from you, you know? Right. Because there have been instances where, 
like I don't know there was like one book I read I can't even remember it but it was about like this Russian guy who just like appeared and everybody was like tell us your life story and he kept on going off on tangents and I was just like just tell us why you're here <laughs> like well and there's the definitely, whole point of this book there's definitely I think this is kind of popular in in movies right now where like the idea of a well-crafted uh, like an adventure plot, for example, is one action immediately leads to the next action, which immediately leads to the next action, which immediately leads to the one, next one. So no part yeah. of the plot is extraneous. Like all of the events string together seamlessly. And um, sometimes it works really, really well. And I think John Wick is probably a, a good example. And I think Mad Max is another good uh, example where like you couldn't jump ahead because you needed everything that happened before to get to any one point in that story. Yeah, but this kind of like ties into what we were talking about earlier is that you have those moments with uh, Anya that aren't related, like that aren't like necessary to the plot, but you still need them, you know, to like get some kind of character development. So that'd be like if you had like Mad Max. I don't know, there's like that one quiet moment where the one old lady is showing one of the younger ladies like the fact that she's collected some seeds. I think that would probably be the closest comparison. Right. But I mean, I think that you're yeah, this would be like I mean, if you ever feeling that pressure and God knows I felt that pressure. This is a really good example of how character moments can be part of your plot, but not be part of like not an integrated stitched in section right so like her falling ass it's not like a hook or a midpoint or anything like that yeah didn't make her accept the ghost more you know that it really didn't have anything to do with it um but they are integral to the plot they're integral to my understanding of the character um and they're very well done it also does end up moving like even though it's not as big as like falling down the well or like finding the bone or anything like that or finding Anya in the archives it's still important to the plot because her falling down in front of Sean brings her to the attention of Sean because he sees her falling down and he's like oh look at that hot chick right Sean you fucking piece of tit (laughs) um also and I will say this like in any story if a character refers to their significant other by baby which I also think happened in uh, Mariko Tamaki's Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. If somebody refers to their significant other as baby, I immediately hate your living guts. <laughs> I'm sorry. And if you if you are one of our listeners and you do that, I'm sorry for calling you out like that. But if you're calling your loved one baby, especially if it's like a guy calling a girl baby, it's like, look, I see you as something infantile and helpless. <laughs> So that's the nickname I'm giving you. Oh, it just la, 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 la. gross. Um, okay, so I think we've probably talked the heck out of this book. We had some really good uh, things come up there, which I was really excited about. Um, Patrick, I actually wrote down what book I thought you'd recommend. Well, you were you were pretty much right because I mean, yes. one day we're gonna have to do that book too. I think I've actually recommended it a couple times before, but Friends with Why Boys do do by Faith, Faith Aaron Hicks is one of my favorite books. It's also about ghosts. Uh, you'll probably find that basically if it's about ghosts, I want to read it. Um, <laughs> and We uh, could do that for an extra view. I'd be down. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd totally be down. We should we should do that. I also think it's a genius book, <laughs> and it is a, a, a sort of a more of a character study. Um, but I Did would definitely recommend. Did we even say what the it. book was? Did we say what the title of the Friends with Boys by Faith Erin Hicks? Friends with Boys, <laughs> it's one of Patrick's by, favorite by, books. Yeah, it's one of my favorite books. It's I got to meet her in in Denver uh, for a very brief period of time, and she signed it for me, and um, very very excited. Uh, also, a first second book, also exactly the same size. I would also recommend Ghost by Raina Tagemeyer, which also deals with acceptance and, and uh, ghosts. Ghosts, yeah. So that's really great. All right. So if you like this episode, please let us know by rating and reviewing on iTunes or however you listen to this podcast. Or you could tweet at us or tell us on Instagram how much you love us um, at pop underscore whiz underscore bang. Um, you can email all complaints, of which there are probably none, let's be real, to pwbpod at gmail.com. I sounded a little bit... <laughs> kerfluffled there because i don't know if i said the right letters so i'm gonna say it again pwbpod at gmail.com um email us there with anything uh including any topics that you'd like us to cover or any books that you'd like us to review in the future patrick where can people find you the best thing to do is head to my website it's patricklaycomics.com and use those social media links that are like right in the middle you go to my instagram you go to my twitter you go to my tumblr but if you want to go to those places direct Plutarian underscore two P L U T A R I A N underscore two. I used a different rather uh, rhythm today to see if it would work. I hated it. I noticed. I hated it. I'm not gonna do that anymore. It didn't. I'm not gonna do that anymore. <laughs> um, but you can go to uh, Plutarian underscore two on all the platforms and find my shiz. Uh, Maggie, where they're gonna where they're gonna read your stuff? So I'm just gonna do a quick shout out if you are somebody who has multiple links like Patrick and I do, you should check out this thing called Linktree, which puts all of your links into uh, that one link that you're allowed on Instagram. Um, it's Linktree. It's spelled exactly like it is. So if you want to find all of my bullshit, you can just go to M-E-G-G-I-E, the R-A-M-M on Instagram. And then if you click on that link, it'll take you to my website. It'll take you to my Patreon. It'll take you to my shop. Um, those are the only three things that I really want you looking at. So uh, yeah, just don't Google anything else than that. Actually, if you Google my name, uh, it's just finally gotten to the point where it's uh, mostly comic stuff and not, <laughs> and not just running. running scores. And not just running not all scores. Running times. <laughs> It used to just it used to just be like ah look at this race that I ran in high school. Um, okay, I think that's it. Tune in next week when we'll have an episode about something comics related. But until then, we're done talking about comics. You're gonna have to go read some. Bye.